Please be seated. So Lord, speak to us now, we pray, through your word. We thank you in expectation of what you're going to say to us today and what you're going to do in our lives. For we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Last week, we were looking together at the struggle of faith, that faith is not easy. And we were saying that actually we can gain victory through that struggle by immersing ourselves in the Word of God. And God has given us His Word so that we might not struggle, but in our struggles, we would know that we have the victory through Jesus Christ. That victory on the cross gave us victory in all of our struggles in life. Amen? But in addition to His Word, God has given us an incredibly powerful weapon, a number of them. One is prayer. With prayer, we can break strongholds. Well, we can't, but God can break strongholds down. When He directs us what to pray for, those things come tumbling down. But there's another powerful weapon that God has given us, and that is the power of praise. The power of praise. Why do we spend so long on a Sunday morning praising God? Why do we spend the first 45 minutes, half an hour, just lifting our voices to God? Because praise is a powerful weapon that God uses to bring transformation. Today we're going to look at that and see just how powerful this weapon is. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. An amazing encounter with Paul and Silas in Acts 16. You probably know the story well. It says this, once they were going, verse 16, once they were going to a place of prayer. Now it tells us back in verse 13 that the place of prayer was down by the riverside. So here they are in Philippi. The place of prayer is outside. It's down by the river somewhere. And they go down there and the believers met together. They weren't allowed to go into the synagogues. They'd been thrown out of there. So they had to go outside the city, down by the river, outside Philippi. And there they go. And it says that's the place of prayer where the Christians would get together to pray together. And it says once when they were going to that place of prayer, they were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She could have put a bet on the FA Cup final beforehand and made an absolute fortune. I don't know what the odds were for Arsenal, but they were quite high. Everybody thought Chelsea were going to win. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul came so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews 
and are throwing our city into uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Let's stop there for a moment. Praise is powerful because, first of all, praise corrects our focus. Here's Paul and Silas. They're they're just going outside. They're, They're just going for a little prayer meeting. And there's this slave girl with an evil spirit inside of her, and she keeps shouting out that these guys are servants of the Most High God, and they can tell you how to be saved. Now, why, why, did, why did Paul and that command the spirit out of that girl? I mean, it was true, wasn't it, what, what they were saying. So why, why then rebuke that spirit and get it out? Well, because they didn't want the spirit of the enemy speaking the truth, even though they have to speak the truth, but they didn't want that kind of reference, if you like. When you go for a job interview, you get some people to do your referee for you. You don't choose people that are your enemies, do you? Even though they might tell the truth about you, no, you go get your friends. You want people that know you well, the people that support you and encourage you to write a reference. I've never had anybody come who's really disliked me and said, would you write a reference? I've had lots of people you know, in the church who say, Pastor, can you write a reference for me for this job or for whatever? Because they trust me that I'm going to write something half decent about them. Misplaced. That's another sermon, right? No, it's, but you do. So here they are. So Paul finally turns around and rebukes the spirit. The spirit comes out of this girl. No longer. She can't predict any more football match scores or anything else. Nothing. And the owners suddenly realize that they've lost their nice source of income. So they get mad. And they throw Paul and Silas, they beat them up get a crowd against them, throw them into prison. And the jailer locks them in the innermost cell. Now, if you were Paul and Silas, what would you be doing? Lord, I just went for a prayer meeting. Why? Why would this happen to me? Why do I get stripped and beaten when I'm trying to do your work? Why, when I'm doing your work, is everything just going wrong? Why, why are you not answering my prayers? Why are you not blessing me? Why, why is this trouble coming upon me? I'm just trying to do what you're asking me to do. You promised to bless us. You promised to give us abundance. And here I am locked in some innermost cell in prison with chains around my legs, locked up for doing your work. Is that what you would be like? But Paul and Silas, what were they doing? Singing. They were in there having a worship time. Well, we're here, we're locked up together, so why not? Why not pray and encourage one another? Why not sing praises to God? 
Why not lift our voices up? Why not be a witness to God in this place? And the other prisoners, it says, were listening in. They'd never heard anything like it. You go into a prison, you don't expect to hear hymn singing going on, do you? But Paul and Silas knew that when you sing praises to God, what happens? Your focus starts to change. No longer do you start looking at your circumstances, but you start looking at the cross of Jesus Christ. Why do we sing? Because it gets our focus off of what's going on in the world around us, what's going on in our own lives, and we start focusing on the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why we worship. That's why we come and we start our services in worship. Because we want each one of us, myself included, to be focusing on the cross of Jesus Christ. Because then, then I have the right perspective and I can see clearly. It's like, you know when you're in a traffic jam? You all know this. You live in London. And then you see one of those helicopters flying over the top, don't you? One of those traffic copters hovering around. And I look up and I think of those guys sitting in there. They must be out to see where all the free roads are while I'm stuck in the one that's jammed solid. And if only I could kind of phone up and say, hey, can you guide me here? That would be awesome. And if they go, yeah, take the next right because that's free. Oh, I see another one that's free and another one that's free. Go this way. You can cut round. You could get to where you wanted to get to. Because they, why? They see the big picture. They see where it all fits together. They can see the way through for you while you're stuck in this jam thinking, well, if I turn right, should I turn right here? If I go right here, it might be a worse jam that way than it is here. And you're never quite sure. It's like driving down the M25. Your lane is always the slowest lane, isn't it? Do you do what I do? You pick a big truck or something, a big lorry there. And you go like, let me see if I can beat that lorry. Do you do that? I always do that. And then what happens? Your one's speeding along and then gridlocked. And the lorry goes shooting by on the inside. And you're like, oh, you know, terrible. Because you can't see the big picture. But when you, when you start to praise God, He lifts you from your circumstances. And you start seeing the big picture. Look at Psalm 22. This is the psalm that Jesus quoted on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you don't answer. By night, but I find no rest. He's there looking at his circumstances. Lord, I'm on the cross. Or David, I'm in this mess. But what comes right next? You are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. What happens in that psalm? He starts with his circumstances. And then as he is reflecting on God, it just lifts him out of his circumstances And he sees the throne room of heaven. And he says, you know what? You're the one I'm going to put my eyes on. Why did Jesus quote this psalm when he hung on the cross? Because it's a psalm 
a victory and a psalm of hope. That even in the darkest moments, even when I can't see I'm in the jam of life, if I start singing praises to you, if I start, it, it will lift my focus from down here to up there. And then everything will start falling into place. Then we will see, I will begin to see the bigger picture because I'm focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ, on him alone. And that's what you see in Paul and Silas here in this prison. They start, can we have the next slide please? And they're praying and they're singing hymns together. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to me. How great thou sermon. You forgot about everything around you, at least I did. And you thought about him. That's what praise does. It takes us from where we are and it lifts us to a different place. It takes us and transforms us into the courts of heaven. And when you do that, the other thing is it makes a public statement of your faith and your trust. Everybody else in that prison cell were listening, probably astounded. How, how could 
Anybody be singing? How great thou art. When they're stuck and they've just been beaten and they've just been tortured and they're put in the innermost cell and who knows what's going to happen to them. But you see, what you speak out of your mouth, what you sing out of your heart makes a massive difference. You see, when problems come, it's like having a balloon. When a problem comes and you start focusing on that problem, what you end up doing is you end up blowing into that balloon and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You ever had that where you've had a problem, right? And it's not really a massive problem, but you start focusing on it. It starts going into your mind and you start thinking about it. You start talking about it. Oh, this problem. Man, what am I going to do about this problem? What am I going to do? And it just starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like having a balloon. You're just blowing into it all the time. And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. The problem's still the same size. But in your life, in your heart, it's just become massive. Because you just keep on going into this thing over and over and over again. What you speak out of your lips has a tremendous impact in your faith. Because if you instead speak the words of faith, sing the words of faith, pray the words of faith, pray the promises of God, then that situation starts to reduce in size. It starts to get its correct perspective in life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? So you have to, like hear Paul and Silas, why are they singing? They're singing praises to God because in spite of their situation, they want to witness to Him. They want to say, you know what? There is a God that is greater than this situation. Who knows what He's going to do, but we're going to praise Him anyway. We're not going to, we want our faith to be built up. We want our faith to be strong. We want our faith to be a witness to others, even in prison. We're here because we're here. Now God, do something. And we're going to trust you and we're going to sing your praises. We're going to sing your promises. We're going to sing your words. And we're not going to dwell on the negative and build the negative up. We're going to dwell on your promises. And we're going to sing them with our hearts and with our lives. In Mark 11, it says this. Have faith in God. We looked at this a little while ago. Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. You see, faith builds on the promises of God. Now, there's two ways the promises of God come. One is in His Word. When God gives you a word out of Scripture, that's a promise that you can rely on. I promise never to leave you, never forsake you. So even if you're in the innermost cell of a prison, with your back ripped apart from having been beaten, with your, your legs shackled and chained, God's gonna, Jesus is still going to be there with you, right next to you. He's going to be in that cell with you. His spirit is there with you. Just as if you were at the prayer meeting. No difference. It's the word of God, the promises of God. So you can rely on them. But also you can rely when the spirit of God gives you a word as well. 
When that spirit speaks into your life and gives you a promise and a word, he gives you the confidence to do something. You know, in Matthew 14, where Peter is in the boat with his disciples, Jesus walking on the water. And Peter sees Jesus and and Jesus is there walking and says, don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter says, if it's really you, then tell me to come out of the boat. And Jesus says, come. I was reminded of this this morning. Jesus said, come. When when God tells you to do something, when God says, come, then you can respond and know that that's a promise. Don't get out of the boat unless he tells you to come. If you get out of the boat and he's not saying, if he's saying stay in the boat and you say, oh no, my faith is big enough, I'm going to go walking on the water, you're going to go straight down. But when he says come, you respond to the word of the Spirit. And then you will see the promise of God through his Spirit being realized in your life. Only respond when the Spirit first speaks to you and gives you that confidence. That's what removes doubt. Worship, praise builds our faith. But the third thing it does is that it opens the channels for the Spirit of God to work. John 4 says this. He says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit And his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now what does that mean? Well, let's, let's read on from what it says here. It says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all of the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And the whole family was filled with joy because they had come to believe in God. Worship, praise, and prayer opens the channels for God's Spirit to work in your life. When you worship in spirit and in truth, when you praise Him, you open that so that His Spirit can flow in you and through you. Look what happens here. First of all, God's Spirit flows into their circumstance. They're praising Him. And then God comes and brings an earthquake. Now, it's not a mega earthquake. It's not like the whole region was flattened, is it? It's not like the roof caved in on top of them. It was just an earthquake that was such a a little trembler enough that all the doors suddenly flew open. Isn't that incredible? 
It wasn't like everything caved in, like there was, you know, 0.8 on the Richter scale or whatever. It was just enough so that all the locks suddenly opened in that prison cell. That's the first thing the Spirit of God did when the supernatural comes, when you praise God. He changed the circumstances. Instead of being in a locked prison, they were now in an open prison. All the doors flew open. And not only that, this earthquake was so specific that it targeted all the locks on the doors and all the chains on their legs. So that all the chains suddenly fell off them. And so suddenly all the prisoners were free. Now this is the greatest miracle of all, I think. Where were Paul and Silas? In prison. Where in the prison? In the middle. In the inmost cell. Now if you were a prisoner in one of the outer cells, suddenly the door clicks open and your chains fall off. What would you do? Scram. I haven't heard that word for a long time. Scram. That's exactly what you would do. And what did the prisoners do? They stayed. How incredible is that? No, why? You've probably got murderers in there. You've got, you know, people that have stolen stuff. You've got people that are probably going to get going to the, to the cross and going to be hung. And suddenly the doors fly wide open and you go, you know what, I think it's a good idea if we just stay here a while and get recaptured. Now why didn't they all leave? Why? They stayed because they realized the direct correlation between Paul and Silas' prayer and praise and what was happening. It's the only reason they would have stayed. They realized that Paul and Silas, there's something in these guys. There's something going on here that I might not understand, but I'm not leaving until I figure out what it is. I'll even stay here and get rearrested and maybe get executed, but I need to know what's going on in this place. I've never once been in a prison where the doors suddenly fly open, all my chains fall off. Because two people are sitting there singing praises at midnight and praying with one another. Praying to God. What is going on? And so they stayed to find out, I'm not going to leave. I'm staying. There's something even bigger than me. I need to find out what's going on here. And so they stayed in the prison. And so when the, when the guard came, the jailer came, he was probably an ex-soldier generally what ex-soldiers did. They guarded prisons. And Philippi was a place where a lot of ex-soldiers came to. It was kind of a retirement village for soldiers, Philippi. They came there, and here he was, a jailer. And the rules of the jail was, you let a prisoner go, you take your own life. You keep them there, you keep your life. So he thought they must have all run. Oh my goodness, I come to the jail and all the doors are wide open. I don't know what's going on. And he's about to kill himself. Because it's better to do that than have someone else try and kill you. And Paul shouts out, don't, don't worry about that. We're all here. And what happens is then the spirit stirs in his heart. 
This is incredible. What's going on? How can you all be here? Why haven't you run away? What's, I don't believe it. And so he must have come in and looked around and there they were all standing there. Probably, I would imagine they were all in Paul and Silas's cell. Going, what is going on here tonight? What is happening? Speak, what, tell me, explain this to me. And there he is and he pushes his way past everybody else like Donald Trump. goes, you're all here. And then the spirit stirs his heart and says, I've never seen anything like this. What have you got? I need what you have. And in that moment, he sees his own spiritual need. And he says, you know what? I don't care. I don't care anymore. I need, I have to have this. What must I do to be saved? You see, when you praise God, then things start to happen. And notice, as I just said, that everybody's chains, everybody's doors are affected. Why didn't the earthquake just affect Paul and Silas? Why didn't they just open their door and the front door and leave all the other doors shut? Because these were bad people. Why, why was it? You know what happens? When you start praising God, when you start really worshiping God, then it affects the people around you. You can't help it. It doesn't matter whether they're good people or not good people. The sphere of influence around you, what happens around you, the Spirit of God will just kind of flow out around you. You know when a dog gets wet and they come in? You know this. What do they do? They go, right? Everything gets sprayed. It's like that with the Spirit of God. When you praise God, when you praise Him, then it's like you're shaking like that and the water's going everywhere. And it affects all the people around you, good people, bad people, don't matter who they are. They'll get affected by it. That's what happens here in this prison cell. They're there in the sphere of Paul and Silas, the sphere of God and what he's doing. So how does all this work? How does this work? In Psalm 50, it says this. To those who sacrifice, thank offerings. Those who sacrifice, thank offerings, honor me. And to the blameless, I will show my salvation. Prayer with praise. With thanksgiving, it opens and prepares the way for God's Spirit's power to work in your life. Paul said that in Philippians 4 verse 6. He said this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. When you praise, God, when you, your spirit connects with the spirit of God, when you lift Jesus higher, you open the way for God's spirit to pour in through you and out through you to others. Let me give you an example from 2 Chronicles. I'm sure you know it well. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It says this. This is a story about Jehoshaphat. 
when he defeats the Midianites. The Midianites, sorry, not the Midianites, the Moabites and the Ammonites, they're coming at him with some other people as well. And he cries out to God and says, Lord, all these people are coming at me. What am I going to do? And he cries out. And then we pick it up in verse 15. It says this. This is what uh, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon one of the prophets and says this. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jura. Let's carry on. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. And so they do just that. They go out, and they face the Lord. And then we skip down to verse 20, and it says this. Early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. You imagine it. The army's going out, and here he has a group of the choir out the front singing and saying, Guys, no more of these army songs. We're just going to sing praises to God as we go. Let's just lift up our voices and sing. Ronnie, you're in front, mate. Right? You're leading the way. Get up there. Get going. You know, we're going to follow on. We'll be right behind you. Okay? And so Ronnie's out the front there singing praises. And he's going, hey, I didn't sign up for this. That's just a worship pastor. But not this occasion. Go out and sing. Let's keep going. And they began to sing and praise the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they'd finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked towards the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. You see what the Bible is saying? When you praise God in those situations, you evoke the power of God to come into your life and out through you. God will fight your battles. God will go before you and give you victory through it. James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says this, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Submit yourselves to God. Resist. To stand. Go forward. Move forward. And the devil has to flee. He has no choice. 
to the army of God that's praising Him. You come near to God through prayer. You come near to God through His Word. You come near to God as you praise Him. That's what Paul and Silas did in that prison cell. You know, some of us are in prisons today. You may have a prison of health concerns that's worrying us. Financial prisons, career concern prisons, family concern prisons, addiction prisons. And we may feel beaten and put in that prison cell. What are you doing when you're there? Are you saying, I'm going to praise you, Lord, in spite of everything? You see, God wants to remove those chains and open the door and let you out. But while you're there, He wants you to praise Him in spite of everything. He wants you to rely on the promises. He wants to build your faith. Remember what we said last week? Sometimes we go through struggles because it's the only way our faith can build. Paul and Silas's faith was built in that prison cell. They knew they had a, a purpose for being there. And they built the faith through them. God built the faith of people around them. The other prisoners, the jailer and his family, even the magistrates who then came and said, like, what's going on? What happened? Why didn't you leave? What's going on? And they suddenly said, well, we're Roman citizens for starters. You've broken the law. And then they were all apologetic and and it enabled the church in Philippi to flourish. God wants to remove those chains from your life, whatever they are. He wants to open those prison doors and set you free. But above that, He wants you first to start worshiping Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Say, Lord, I might be in this situation, but I'm going to praise you anyway. This situation is not going to define me. I'm not going to focus on it. I'm not going to blow that balloon up into bigger than it really is. I'm going to worship you because you never change and you are, you are the Lord. You are the controller. You are the master of everything. And I'm in this situation because there is something that you want me to learn. There is something you're going to teach me in this situation. You have a reason for me being here. How could that jailer have received eternal life unless Paul and Silas were willing to go there? It would have been impossible. But through that, this family were welcomed into the family of God. And isn't a bit of beating and a bit of hymn singing a midnight worth it for that family? That Paul and Silas would meet again in the kingdom? Jesus wants to set you free, but more than that, He wants you to praise Him. Let's stand to our feet and let's sing together.